welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. What a great song to lead into our scripture, singing about God's faithfulness. We are starting a new series on the mission and vision of our church, but we base it on the mission of the Bible. And so in Matthew 28, if you want to keep your Bibles open, I'll be talking about Matthew 28 and the four alls that we can discover in Matthew 28. Uh, but we're just want to let you know we're so glad you're joining with us today. Those of you joining at home as well, we're so glad you've been tuning in uh, for this past year, and we hope you'll continue to do that as well. We know a lot of people are planning to come back, and we welcome that, especially as we have a, one more outdoor patio service next week, and then we're back indoors after that, and we hope you'll, you'll come and be a part. If you can let us know how we could uh, encourage you in this season, please let us know. We'd love to encourage you. There's something called the Great Commandment of Jesus that's found in Matthew 22, and it says this. Jesus says in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's called the Great Commandment. There's something also called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is what you heard in Matthew 28, which says, go and make disciples. And we're going to spend our time today talking about the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Now, a recent survey from a group called the Barna Group uh, polled churchgoers just like you, like me, like you at home, and it found that 63% of churchgoers today do not know what the Great Commission is. And so our goal is, at the end of this five weeks, as we talk about the mission and vision of the church, that 100% of us would know that the Great Commission is talking about Matthew 28 and going and making disciples. And as we do that today, we're going to highlight how that ties in the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, to our new mission statement, which is this. We glorify God and we make disciples by connecting people to Christ through small acts of great love every day. And really, our new mission statement is just a restatement of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commission to, to go and make disciples, the Great Commandment to love God and love others. So first of all, before we dig into the text, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you at home. It's because of your small acts of great love the past year that we have been able to minister and keep supporting missionaries near and far all year. It's because of you. Now, some of you are new to CPC. I just met someone. It was our first Sunday here last Sunday. Met many of you. It's just been the last several months. You've connected with us online or in person. Others of you who have been here for decades. To all of you, thank you. You've made small gifts, large gifts supporting our ministry. And I'm telling you, every little gift matters. It helps us keep pouring through. So thank you so much. Your faithfulness in giving, your faithfulness in prayer means that this week, as Amanda told you, a house is being built. I put a picture on the screen of the family. A house is being built with this family uh, because of your faithfulness. Uh, because of your giving, we are able to do this with great confidence because of your help. So thank you so much for that house but that's going on this week. Thank you. Uh, your support means we've had a food pantry going on the last several months that hundreds of hungry people are getting fed. And every day this food is out because of your help. 
Uh, every, every week there's a homeless outreach ministry that's happening. That's because of your help. Um, because of your help, the Young Life Homework House, you went not only your regular giving, which supports the Young Life Ministry, but your above and beyond giving, the ink cartridges, the paper, the bottles of water, the Domino's pizza cards, all these things going above and beyond. That means that teens are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, many for the first time. Why? Because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The smallest acts of love done in the name of Christ do not go unnoticed from the eyes of our God. We just want to remind you of that. See, God's faithfulness is revealed through your humble service as you obey the great commandment and the great commission, making disciples and loving God and loving others. That's what this whole series is all about. Jesus makes four all statements in Matthew 28. The first one comes in Matthew 16, if you want to take a look with me, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So this first all is all authority for you note takers. All authority has been given to Jesus. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, before he ascends to heaven, he's making an audacious claim. He's not just a human being. He's not just a prophet. He's not just speaking as a representative of God. He's saying, I am God himself, God in the flesh. All authority has been given to me. Jesus makes this incredible, audacious claim about himself. That means that Jesus is saying, you cannot dismiss him as simply a wise man. Simply treat him as a good moral person. Simply treat him as one path of many paths to God in enlightenment. Jesus does not give you the ability to put him in that small of a box. So what Jesus is saying, he stands alone as the only way back to, into God's forever family. He says, I'm it. That's an audacious claim. Here's the thing that he is doing, reminding us that God, even though he stands outside of our three-dimensional space and our fourth dimension of time, right? I said this last week, if you're here with us for Easter, even though God stands out of our space and time, he chose to enter in by sending his son, God himself in the flesh to enter our third dimensional space, to enter our fourth dimension of time, to show his love, to make a way back into God's forever family. Then Jesus, what he does while he's on earth, he reveals himself as king of heaven, king of earth. All that is seen and unseen, Jesus says, I have authority, I am the king. That means that he is Lord over life. He's Lord over death. He's Lord over this life. He's Lord over the next life. And Jesus is saying, I am the key towards this life and to the next life. And so Jesus' claim in Matthew 28, it forces the thinking person to ask, is Jesus all he claims that he says to be? Or is he an imposter? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm the real deal. When you look at this world, you turn on the news. I try to turn it off as much as I can, but man, you get blasted. Bad news, bad news, bad news, conflict, conflict, conflict. Right now, somewhere across the United States, um, there, there are rallies and there's counter rallies and people are arguing about who's more important. <laughs> and, and we're battling with racism and battling with all kinds of strife in, in our world. And in the middle of this, Jesus says, I'm king. I'm Lord of all things. Jesus when we see this hurting and broken world, wants to be invited into our lives to join him on his mission on this earth. Because the reality is we see all this brokenness, and I know you do, we cannot change anything for the good without Jesus. Because he has all authority. 
in heaven and earth. If you want to make a difference in this world, I know most of you do, right? We all want to make a difference, have a better impact in this world, leave this world a better place. He says, Jesus says, you can't do it without me. I'm the king of problem solving. I am the king of hope. I'm the king of love. I'm the king of life. Join with me. See, what good does he want us to do under all of his encompassing authority? He says in verse 19, this is what I want you to do. If you want to make a positive impact on the world, people, go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples because you have my authority. We're to join Jesus on his mission on this earth. So I want to remind you, when we joined with Yugo Ministries, that Amanda was telling you about, it's probably about three years ago, we made the switch to Yugo. What you were doing by your regular giving, by your prayers, you were supporting a ministry that was helping connect people to Christ, which is what our mission statement is all about. You see, this family that's getting this home became Christians years ago because of your support through Yugo Ministries. A local pastor led them to Christ. And now they're getting a home. So years before they ever even thought of getting a home, they gave their lives to Jesus. Because guess what? God cares about Ensenada, Mexico too. Just like he cares about our country, our cities. And because of your prayerful support, that couple that's moving into this home this week are going to be making a home that will be a ministry center in the city of Ensenada, that the gospel might go forth. See, this is the great commission in action. It's small acts of great love connecting people to Christ. This is fun. And Jesus' authority gives us clarity about our purpose. As Jesus says in Acts 1, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and even to Ensenada, Mexico. You will be my witnesses. See, your job, my job, is not to convert anyone. You're saying, well, Tim, you're the pastor. It's still not my job to convert anyone. My job, your job, is simply to be a witness, Acts 1.8. Your job is simply to tell a story somehow through your words, your actions, that I used to be disconnected from God, but God in his graciousness reconnected me to him and his life. You're a witness. That's your job, my job. We are connected to God because of his grace. We get to tell hungry people about where the bread that we found is. That is our job to be witnesses. All authority has been given to Jesus. The second all comes from Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes a second statement that this good news about his kingship is for all the nations. Now, keep in mind this, a little history lesson for you. Jesus was a Jew. All of his first disciples were Jews. When Jesus preached from the Bible, it was from the Jewish scriptures. <laughs> the disciples, the, the early church, they worshiped in synagogues in the Jewish temple. This is a Jewish religion. But Jesus makes it clear that the Great Commission was for all, for everybody. In fact, Matthew, again, a, a good Jew, who is the author of this gospel, he has in mind the covenant made to Abram, the father of the Jews, who we now know as Abraham. Abram, Abraham, his name changed. The father of the Jews is the, is the root of this gospel. And I'm going to give you some verses from Genesis 12. And if you want to email me from the notes, I can send them to you. In Genesis 12, 13, it says, Go, and in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
In Genesis 18, 18, where all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In Genesis 22, 18, in chapter 26, 4, all the nations of the earth gain blessing. In chapter 28, verse 14, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so with the backdrop of Abraham in mind, Jesus is now portrayed by Matthew as the new Abraham, the fulfillment of all that Israel was longing for. That this new Abraham, Jesus is a new and better Abraham. And he announces the great commission that is for not just the Jews, but for all the nations. And so in this great commission, Jesus' last words before leaving the earth, keep that in mind, he has on his heart, not just Jews and not just Americans. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Not just Jews or Americans, but all the nations. From the very beginning, it could have been just an ethnocentric Jewish thing. But from the beginning, Jesus says, you know, no, because there's going to be this country called America and they need to know me too. (laughs) Isn't that good? Aren't you glad that he included us? Isn't that awesome? Because without Jesus saying this, we never would have been included. All the nations, even America, gets welcomed into the gospel. And even Ensenada, Mexico. Isn't this beautiful? All the nations. And so that's why we show God's love by providing over $235,000. You know how we do that? You, your small gifts every day, every week, all year, we accumulate. And over a year, we take $235,000 and we support missionaries near and far. Why? Because our God is a God of the great commission. He says to go to all the nations. So thank you. God, the creator, God, the artist of all, chose to make humankind in his image in a variety of beautiful colors and beautiful cultures and beautiful nations. And that's why I love when you look around, you look different. Some people, we we sound different. And that's beautiful because God is the artist. God must love variety. He made you look like you and me look like me. He must love variety because we don't look the same. Isn't that beautiful? And yet on Sunday morning, in America, and maybe in some other nations as well, Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week. We tend to cluster in our sameness. We feel comfortable in sameness, and that can be okay, because most of the churches that we grew up in America, we didn't embrace much variety, because most churches were built on, whether accidentally or purposely, on this idea of the homogeneous unit principle. Homogeneous unit principle. Which means this, the idea that churches are most easily built and grown and maintained but when you get similar people together. So let's get all people who look alike. Let's get all people who eat the same thing. Let's get all the people from the same socioeconomic background because it's easier to grow and maintain churches when everyone's the same because then no one really argues over what food to eat or, or what kind of music to listen to, that kind of a thing, the homogeneous unit principle. Same ethnic, educational, socioeconomic backgrounds. So let me ask you, have you ever gone to a church like this? (laughs) If you grew up in America, the vast majority of you grew up, like me, in a church like this. And that can be okay. Because we can be blessed by these kinds of churches. Most of us grew up in a church like that. In fact, some people take this idea of the homogeneous unit principle. So seriously, they've started a church just for bikers. Now, when I say that, I don't mean Pastor Tim can ride up on his 10-speed and his bike helmet to this church for bikers. No, it's a church for people who ride Harley Davidsons and just for them. 
Only if you're on a motorcycle can you come to this hardcore church for bikers. That's a homogeneous unit principle taken to the extreme. Now, I praise God for the good things that have happened in homogeneous churches, like black churches and white churches and Asian churches and Latino churches. It's beautiful and wonderful and good what has happened when likeness has gathered together. That's good. But the Bible reminds us and paints a beautiful picture of God's kingdom family to come. And I love to share this verse time and time again. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, God gives us a picture of the church that is going to be our forever family for eternity that is to come. And in that verse, it says, A great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This beautiful tapestry a variety made in the image of God. Oh, it's going to be beautiful and good. So I like to think that whenever God's diverse people come together in unity around King Jesus, we give a glimpse of God's heavenly family to come. I love thinking that. Whenever I see diversity, which doesn't happen all the time, around Jesus, that it gives a little picture, a snapshot of what we'll be doing for eternity. I get excited about that. Last fall, you all welcomed our friend, Pastor Ronald Britt, from the the great uh, black church, Greater Victory Temple in Seaside, historic church. And you all did such a great job welcoming him. I must must let you know, I kind of forewarned him because he's at a black Pentecostal church. And I mean, just, I mean, his prayer times, it's like he's preaching during prayer times. It's, he's fired up, people are amening, hands are being raised. That's just the norm. I said, I just want to let you know, we're a little bit different at Carmel Press, our largely white Presbyterian church is a little bit different, so don't be upset if they're not as engaged. And I told them that kind of joke of like, you know, because when Presbyterians get real excited, they might do this. And that's like, I'm filled with the spirit excited. And when it's like tongues of fire, we get crazy and we'll do this. I mean, it's, for Presbyterians, this is a big, that's a big deal from there to there. So he came. And you know what? You all were amening all over his sermon. And I was thinking, they never amen for me. I was kind of hurt. I'm like, I thought, it's, oh, it's the culture. It's like, no, it's just me. <laughs> you just like him better. So, amen. amen. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to keep partnering with Pastor Ronald Britton. In fact, Pastor Ronald, we're getting together for prayer another week from now. And we're just going to pray. But how are two churches, his beautiful black Pentecostal church and our beautiful, largely white Presbyterian church, how can we partner together for the gospel unified around Jesus? We have lots of differences, colors, culture, history. We even have some doctrinal differences. But you know what we share? King Jesus. King Jesus. And we're just going to get together and pray and say, God, how do you want us to partner for the future? Because every nation, every tribe, every color will be bowing down to the feet of Jesus one day. Jesus first claims all authority has been given to him. And then he claims that all the nations are to become his followers. And then thirdly, if you're following along, he teaches that all his commands are to be given and taught. Matthew 28, 20, follow with me. Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I want you to keep in mind, Jesus is not giving a list of rules, but rather a way to live. He's not saying, I need you to do this, 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 and this in order to uh, maintain your relationship with me. We didn't enter this relationship with Jesus based on legalism. We're not going to maintain it by legalism. 
Don't misunderstand Jesus when he says, teaching them all that I have commanded you. It's a way to live. And in fact, the Apostle Paul, talking in the Ephesians chapter 2 passage, and we're going to use this, uh, this book uh, for the course of our series. He says this in verses 14 through 16. Let me read it to you. For Christ himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the laws of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. In summary, Jesus has come to destroy the divisions. Destroy the divisions caused by these commandments that were wrongly understood. He's destroying legalism. He is destroying religiosity. Paul says that Jesus has abolished the laws and commands that led to dead legalism. And so what Jesus does, he gives us this great commission to make disciples of all the nations, but he's already given us the great commandment that we read earlier that sums up all the commands, which says this, love God, love others in his name. That's the command. That's the thing you need to observe. All I've commanded you, love God and love others. And then Jesus says in John 13, 34 to 35, to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so we welcome one another at CPC. We hope that every Sunday you come, and even those at home, you feel welcomed by us. We love that. And we worship together on Sundays and throughout the week. And we focus on God's word and all we do and engage the world as great commission and great commandment people. That is great. And we get to show God's love right here in Carmel by the way we love our neighbors. Let me say this. I'm going to miss being outside. I am. We're going inside. I'm going to miss it. You know why? Because while I'm preaching... For the last nine months, people are walking behind us when I say, Jesus loves you. And I love that. That every time we're out here, people might overhear that Jesus loves them. So I'm going to miss that part. But you know what? You get to continue that ministry in your everyday life. You say, well, Tim, you're the pastor. I know, but you all are pastors. What, at that office you work at or that school you teach at or when you go golfing. And they hear you say Jesus when you golf swing. So make sure you're using Jesus in the right way, right? That you are pastors. You are representatives. You are witnesses for Jesus. So I'm going to miss being outside. But guess what? I know that the witnessing is going to continue through your everyday life. Through the people you go to school with, through the, the way you go to eat, through the, the way that you give and love and, and share, the way that you feed hungry people and you're continuing to do that. The way that you invite people to come to church or send them a link to our online services. You see, Jesus pours through in our everyday life. See, we get to show God's love to our brother in Mexico who began the keys to his house. We get to partner with him. We get to pray for him as he serves as a police officer in Ensenada, Mexico making $183 a week. 
We get to bless him. He's an extension of our ministry in Mexico because guess what? God has all authority and God loves all the nations. And he's telling us to teach people to obey all of his commands, to love God and love others. We can love this brother by praying for him, for his safety as a police officer in Mexico. You think that might be a little rough? For his safety, for his family, that that house would be used as a center for ministry to glorify God in his young Christian life. Lastly, Jesus makes a fourth claim, Matthew 28, 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the fourth all. See how I snuck that one in? Always. <laughs> all authority, all the nations, all my commands. And lastly, he promises to be with us all the time. The four alls of the Great Commission. You see, Jesus' entrance into history is encapsulated in the name Emmanuel, Matthew 1 verse 23, where it means God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus enters into history, continues, continues with his abiding presence with his disciples, and he, it is evidenced by his concluding assurance in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, all the time. That means from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end, he's promising his presence with you, if you're his follower. So I simply ask you this, followers of Christ, and maybe yet to be followers, do you know Jesus as the one who is near? Do you know him like that? Do, do you spend time leaning into this relationship? Because Christianity is the only religion that you don't have to work hard to attain. Every other religion, every other philosophy, in some ways demanding you do something in order to gain righteousness or to earn forgiveness or to gain peace, do something. And our mission is to help people to connect to Christ. Christianity offers the nearness of Christ, his grace that can't be earned, and his love that you can never lose. That is the Christ we want people to connect to. It's not religion, not religiosity. It's not trying to be a good person. We want to invite you to say yes to him today if you've never done that. You see, for us disciples of Jesus... I ask you this, is your experience of God as one who is near? Because guess what? God welcomes you to bring your doubts, to bring your pains, to bring your fears. In fact, I didn't even read that, that verse before this section. It said that disciples, that some doubted. This is right before Jesus is leaving. They saw his miracles. They see him resurrected from the dead. And some still doubted. And so fellow, fellow followers of Christ, it's okay to doubt. Don't avoid Jesus in the midst of your doubt. Come near. In the middle of your questions and your fears and your unanswered prayers, come near to the one who says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, all the time. He won't turn you away. So Jesus claims all authority and he expects his followers to teach all his commands and to make a new God-centered community among all the nations. He knows we can't do this on, his, on our own and so he promises to be with us all the time. And Jesus promises to be with us as we strive to be this new community of faith centered around his authority, centered around his teaching. This is his promises to you and to me 2,000 years later. He promises to be near and to give you confidence. And so I'm going to encourage you, invite someone on April 25. We're back indoors. We'll be at 50% capacity. Invite someone to know this Jesus. Not to get more religious, not to be a good person, 
to get to know this Jesus. You are to be his witnesses, Jesus says. Just to simply tell people where you found the breath that fed your soul. And if you're joining online, we can give you help. You can invite someone to join you online as well. In person online, April 25th, we'd love for you to get the word out, to join us to get to know this Jesus. Now, what we want to do is invite you to think about some next steps. Because Jesus gives these four alls, all authority, all the nations, all he commanded, all the time. So I'm going to ask you this. Which one of these four alls is the Spirit nudging you to lean into this week? Because I don't want you to leave thinking like, oh, Pastor Tim gave us all these things I got to do. I'm just saying maybe there's one thing that the Spirit is nudging on you, one of these alls. Let me go through them really quickly. Do you struggle to trust Jesus that he has all authority? Maybe in the midst of the chaos of your lives or decisions that you need to make and and the, the chaos you see in this world? Let me ask you, do you know that there's a hope that you can cling to in Jesus? Do you struggle with knowing that Jesus truly has all authority for some situation in your life or in your sphere of influence? It's just hard for you to trust him. Maybe that's where the Spirit is nudging you to trust him more. Or is the Lord giving you a heart to see his diverse church grow in some way? I mentioned you met Pastor Ronald Britt and I. We're going to join together in prayer. We're going to pray about our two churches working more together. I just think it's beautiful for this black Pentecostal church and our white Presbyterian church to join together in the great commission and the great commandment to glorify God on the Monterey Peninsula and to the ends of the earth because God cares about his name, about his reputation, and he is a God of variety and diversity centered around King Jesus. So email me. If you're saying, Pastor Tim, Spirit's nudging on my heart. I want to somehow be a part of encouraging that friendship. We need to lean more into that. Email me. Maybe that's what the Lord is prompting you to do. Or perhaps God is stirring your soul a desire to know and teach all the commands of Jesus. You love God's word. You want to dig into God's word more. I want to let you know one thing you can do to be praying for this family in Mexico. Our friends in Mexico, this family, right now as the house is being built, one of the things that they asked our youth ministry to do is to send them scriptures. So as they build the walls of the house, their very walls will have scriptures imprinted in the walls of their house. That this would be a home centered on God's word and God's ways. Isn't that beautiful? You could be praying for this family. You could be joining us at five o'clock tonight as we pray for this family and joining us this Thursday as well as we dedicate the home that God's word might go forth. And in the walls, one of the verses that the youth ministry sent was Isaiah 40, 31. And many of you memorized that verse with us, which says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. We're praying that God's strength will be poured through this family in Ensenada giving him safety as a police officer, giving his family flourishing in this city that God's name might be made known. God's word might go forth. That they would focus on God's word and share God's word. That's how we get to be part of seeing the gospel going to all the nations as well. Fourthly, maybe you need assurance that Jesus is with you all the time. There's some struggle. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, you're going through. You feel alone. We want to remind you that we, we want to walk with you in the struggle. You can email us, let us know, give us a call. We want to walk with you, remind you that Jesus will never leave you, never abandon you. And for some of you who've never said yes to Jesus before, email me. I will get you a book. We can talk. We can have coffee and talk about as you investigate this person, and his name is Jesus. 
Let me know. Would love to resource you, whether you're already a believer or not yet one, how you can grow in your relationship to the Lord. Now, I'm going to give the benediction in a moment. And so in closing, we just want to let you know we are so glad that you've joined us. And we want to invite you to join me in a prayer before we sing some songs of worship. And so would you join me as we pray? Let's pray. King Jesus, we get just a little glimpse, Lord, of your great commission and of your great commandment that the extension of your ministry somehow miraculously pours through us. Lord, we don't understand why you use us. And Lord, we confess, Lord, we are often so timid. We don't want to share. We don't want to witness. And so, Lord, would you give us the wisdom and the courage to simply let our everyday lives be a witness to you? The way we pray, the way we give, the way we feed, the way we serve, the way we speak, the way we listen, Lord, that there would be no corner of our lives that would be untouched by your presence, by us allowing you to pour through us to be a light in a darkness. Lord, forgive us for shutting down the ways that you want to work through us. And Lord, open us up to new opportunities this week. Lord, we pray for anyone, Lord, who does not know your nearness, that they would experience you, maybe for the first time, as they welcome you in as they confess their need, Lord, for forgiveness of sins and confess that they are hungry for true bread that will never fade away. Oh, Lord, for each one of us, for many of us who've been Christians for years and years, would you stir in our hearts and our souls, Lord, how to take a next faithful step, Lord, as faithful disciples following you. Lord, help us, Lord, as we worship you to make it something that is worship in spirit and worship in truth as Jesus taught us. Lord, we offer this time to you, our whole lives to you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.